You're listening to the Miscarriage Doula Podcast. I'm your host, Arden Cartret. This space is meant to be a tool for you to feel less alone and to learn more about how to get through what you've been through and what you're probably going through. We'll hear diverse stories from women and men in the online space, experts, and people just like you and me who are feeling the effects of miscarriage and loss in real time. This is the Miscarriage Doula Podcast. Today's show is brought to you by our affiliate partnership with Mira. Mira is the first and only comprehensive at-home testing device that allows women to quantitatively track major hormones needed to predict ovulation. Unlike other fertility trackers on the market, Mira Fertility Tracker is the only one that gives you the actual hormone concentration levels as well as easy-to-understand fertility scores based on those readings. I've been using Mira since my period returned after having Cameron, who is my double rainbow, And it's actually given me the confidence to advocate for myself in terms of some concerns that I have with my ovulation cycles. Please consider using our affiliate link and code if you're interested in purchasing Mira. Visit themiscarriagedoula.co slash Mira to learn more. Now back to the show. And I'm meeting my husband. So we, we met in college in 2007. And we were, I mean, we were babies. We were very young. I was 18. He was 19. So we dated all throughout college and dated after college. And so we got married in 2015. So it was in 2017, since we had been together for so long, that we started talking about wanting to start a family. And I mean, we were just, we were very lucky. And you know, just so blessed to get pregnant pretty quickly and, you know, went on to have a wonderful pregnancy. And our son was born, uh, Benjamin was born March of 2018. And he has just, I mean, he's my reason for everything. I'm so grateful and lucky and happy to have him. He's, I mean, the joy of my life. And he has been like how I've gotten through our journey with secondary infertility, which I know is not talked a lot about because you just assume when you have a healthy baby that it can happen again. Right. So we started talking about when we wanted to have baby number two, and we started having those conversations in um, late 2019. We had always talked about like a three-year age gap would kind of be what we, what we wanted. You know, we didn't want them to be too close in age, but we also wanted them to still be, um, you know, as close as age as we could, as we could. So we were very casual about it. Um, didn't really track or stress out. Um, you know, I think I was just in a point where I had such a good experience with my first pregnancy that issues or potential loss or anything which just wasn't on my radar. So we, we got pregnant pretty quickly. Uh, again, we got pregnant in January of 2020. And, you know, I was just thrilled. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is, I was honestly thrilled that it was so easy. Um, which now that I look back is, you know, kind of um, funny to think. But, you know, we, I just started like planning everything in my head. Um, You know, they'd be two and a half years apart, my son, Benjamin, and um, this new baby. 
And it was just kind of working, working out that we would just be growing our family. So my doctor has me come in, um, the same doctor I'm seeing since when I had my son. And she has me come in to do my HCG levels. So I get a call back the next day that the numbers actually don't, don't look that great. And it definitely caught me off guard, but I was still very naive, very just no red flags, you know, okay, fine, I'll go back in. So I go back in, I get a call the next day following that, and it's actually my doctor calling me, which I, she never calls me. I mean, obviously they're so busy. So I was like, something must not be right. So she's basically like, Michelle, these numbers are not looking good. Like, I do not think this will be a viable pregnancy. And I just was like, my heart just stopped. I, I was almost, I hate like saying this, but I was almost one of those people, like it won't happen to me. And it was happening. You know, she was like, okay, the next few days, you'll probably start to cramp. I mean, this was a chemical pregnancy. It was very early on. Uh, it was maybe four weeks. And she was right. Like literally, it's almost like my body needed to hear it from the doctor. Because then a few days later, I started cramping. Um, it was a very, it was a very, you know, easy process, thankfully. And, you know, I, I cried with my husband. We were so sad that, you know, it didn't happen as quick as what we were hoping for. But I just, I was still very naive. I wrote it off as like, okay, just something that happened, almost like it was a fluke. Like, I don't know what happened, but it, it won't happen again. Like, that was just a bad situation. And so I, I didn't really, honestly, I didn't really process it. I just like went on with life. Um, we didn't really tell anyone. We didn't confide in friends or family. I did end up telling my mom months later. So, you know, when I look back, I don't like how we handled it. And I think it's one of the reasons why, I mean, this was January, 2020. It's really taken me this long to talk about it. Unfortunately, my my journey continues. We, we've had multiple losses, so it's not the start of the start of our infertility journey. So in May, um, we, we get pregnant again. And I'm just, I'm thrilled and I'm on it. I'm still naive. You know, I, I'm thinking, okay, that was, that was just something that happened. Like this, this is it. Um, you know, calculating in my brain, like, okay, there will be Benjamin and this baby will be just about three years apart. Just, just under because this baby um, would have been born um, January of 2021, actually last month, or two months ago. So, you know, I'm so excited. I'm really just like, okay, like, this is, this is so exciting. I still don't really, I, I'm still using the mentality of don't, I don't really want to tell a lot of people, just my husband knows. Um, so I go to the doctor to get my HCG levels drawn, and I get a similar phone call that the numbers don't look great. And I remember I just was like, I can't believe this is, this is happening again. And this, this time was different. So I'm going in to get my blood drawn. Um, and I'm actually starting to get good news that the numbers are increasing. They're actually working in the direction they need to be. So I'm starting to get my hopes up and excited. But then, like just a week or two later, I'm getting in, insane, very intense cramping. Like the worst I've ever felt. Um, 
worse than anything I can remember. So I'm kind of, I have a very high tolerance for pain. So I'm kind of letting it go, letting it, you know, just, I'm in, in my mind, I'm knowing something's not right. In my mind, I'm like, okay, this is obviously is not what you should be feeling. I know mild cramping can be normal, but this is not mild. I mean, I couldn't move. I would have the heating pad. And so I finally call at one night, I call the, our doctor's line to talk to the doctor on call. And it actually was, it was my doctor, which I was very grateful for because she knows my history. And, you know, she kind of was just like, you know, you, need, you definitely need to come in, come in first thing tomorrow morning. Like if you can get through the night, like I, I don't want you to have to go to the ER, but you know, if it, if this only gets worse, like you should do that. So that's hard. It's hard to know like how much pain is too much pain. Um, what can you manage? What can't you? Um, so I ended up getting through the night. I was able to fall asleep. Um, she saw me first thing in the morning. At this point, I'm like maybe six, six weeks. And, you know, she wants to do an ultrasound, which that just made me so nervous because it's just so early. And, you know, she does the ultrasound. She doesn't, she doesn't see anything, but she's kind of like not wanting to me to get, not wanting me to get nervous and you know, she's kind of saying like, oh, this ultra machine machine is not the best. Like, you know, let's go um, come back in in a couple of days and we'll use the better ones. So I do that. I come back in a few days later. And I mean, this was, this is like end of May. And it's, it was just, it felt like I was at the doctor's office the entire day. In hindsight, it probably was just a few hours. And this is all during COVID. So I'm alone. My husband can't, can't come. So I, I go there, we're doing ultrasound. She still is not seeing anything. Um, at the same time, they were still taking my blood. So my levels were continuing to rise where they should be. So she starts, like she sends me to another um, area to get another ultrasound by someone else. They kind of like pass me around to a lot of different doctors. So they wanted to get like a lot of different opinions. Um, Cause she started educating me on what an ectopic pregnancy is and that this may be that if they can't continue to find anything and my HCG levels are rising to the level that they were at, you know, basically this pregnancy is not where it should be and it can't, it can't grow if it's not in, if it's not in the uterus, if they can't see it. So after like a few hours, at least it felt like several hours, um, you know, my doctor is like, okay, this, this will ruin this ectopic pregnancy. Um, and, you know, we, we end up, uh, calling my husband and having him speakerphone and talking through with him what this means and what the options are. And, you know, my doctor, like I said, I've, I've known her for a while. So she, I trust her and she's very honest with, with her, with what she, um, what she gives us as her opinion. And she's like, you know, if you wait, like the only thing that could happen is, you know, your pain could come back and she's like, it will come back. And like, you might have to go to the ER and have emergency surgery with someone that's not me. And I mean, you could use your, you could use one tube, you could lose two tubes, you could hurt yourself, um, you know, by not having a healthy pregnancy after this. And she said, quite frankly, she's like, 
it's just very risky for you. Um, so this is a life or death situation if you if you were to let this go on. And I I had I did not know what an ectopic pregnancy was. Um, this was all new to me. I had never really been in a situation that someone was like raising a red flag. So it got me very nervous. Um, me and my husband were talking and, you know, I still obviously wanted to keep trying after this and I didn't want to hurt my chances. Um, so we did her recommendation and I did get the methotrexate shot while I was there. Um, and that, gosh, that's just an awful, like when they explain to you what that shot is and what that shot does, I mean, it's just heartbreaking to hear those words because it's, it's terminating the pregnancy, which, I mean, that's not what I wanted. Like I never wanted to terminate anything, but I also like had to think of myself and my health and the future of getting pregnant again. So I mean, I, I honestly don't even remember getting the shot or getting home. It happened so fast. I just went home and just cried and, so, and, and started educating myself on, you know, what had just happened to me. And, um, you know, I go back into the doctor a few days, a few days later uh, just to check in. My doctor was like, thank God we did that. Um, she's like, I got your blood drawn again and your numbers went up again, skyrocketed. So she's like, that, like, we did the right thing. So the thing with this shot that, you know, this, this was just a very long process. Um, they want to make sure, they want to monitor your HCG level very closely because in some, in some cases, one dosage of the shot isn't enough. Um, that wasn't the case for me, thankfully. But I did have to go into the doctors weekly for almost like two months. It was like a week and a half, month and a half, I think, um, where I had to go in every week to get my blood drawn and for them to make sure that my levels went to zero. So that was just, just a constant reminder of what I was going through. And, you know, this, the, a doctor's office that you see, you know, healthy pregnant women. So it was just a very, I, it was a very long, long drawn out process to, uh, to, pro, to go through, you know, and to, to figure this, this out. And, and again, we're not telling a lot of people, which, which I do regret when I look back. Um, I did end up texting my mom and I have two sisters that I'm really close with. So I did end up texting them and telling them what was going on, but I definitely did not give as much like detail and just how much of a heartbreak this process was. So another thing with the shot is that you have to wait to try it again because it's such a powerful medication that if you were to get pregnant with it still in your system, um, I mean, it could carb cause birth defects and, you know, obviously not something we wanted to experience. So we had to wait until September uh, to start trying again. So I, I called my doctor just to kind of get the green, green light to make sure we were good to start trying again. And, and we did. I just like, I felt like I just, I had to just keep trying. And so we got, we got pregnant um, the third time of 2020 in November and we found out beginning of December and as much as I was thrilled and happy it was a completely different experience of seeing that positive test because it was more like just being so scared and fearful of it happening for a third time 
you know, it was much, I was much more aware. Like 2020 was a very, it was a learning experience of this, the, the process of infertility, the process of miscarriage, and very eye-opening to me. And, you know, I, I definitely realized that you don't know what it's like until you go through it. And I definitely found who I could lean on, my close friends that had, had been through it, that could understand. Um, but I also tried not to, you know, no one who hasn't been through it. I mean, it's not their fault that they don't understand. I'm glad they don't understand. Um, so we, we find out we're pregnant and, you know, I'm excited, but I'm guarded. But this time I was like, you know, I want to start telling people. I don't want to only be passing along bad news. Um, I want to pass along good news. Um, but I said, we were still, I was still very selective. We did not tell a lot of people. We just told my sisters and my mom. Um, and then we told my dad over the holidays. So we, you know, didn't really extend it to, to close friends. We told, um, my husband's family as well. So this is, you know, all around the holidays. Um, I'm going in to get my HCG drawn and I'm getting, you know, to me, the best news I could get was that my numbers were looking good. I never had that dreaded first call of they're not looking good. So I was starting to get a little bit more positive, but still scared and guarded. And we had an ultrasound before Christmas, um, which I was just absolutely terrified uh, to do. So, my doctor does the ultrasound and she sees a sac. And I'm just like, I'm thrilled. I am so happy that, because they, she had to, she was very like, um, we have to make sure it's not ectopic. That was like number one, because once you have an ectopic, your chances go up to have another. And definitely around it being the holiday, she's like, we have to make it, roll that out. So we rolled that out, which was really, um, which I was very happy about. But it's still so early on. So she's like, okay, at least we know it's not that, but we have to, you know, wait a few more weeks for you to come back in. And by then we should definitely see, um, you know, the baby and a heartbeat. Um, it was, you know, we saw, we saw something, but it was very small. And, you know, she was reassuring me it's still so early on, but seeing a sack was something we had not seen in any pregnancy last year. So I go, um, we always travel for the holidays. We travel to see um, my family. And so we go there and they, they, for the most part, most of them knew. And I, as we're going, as we're traveling to get there, I'm very like, uh, I don't, you know, I want to focus on the holidays. I'm afraid to like celebrate it too much. Um, Cause to me, it was all about like baby steps. Like, you know, I, I told people earlier than I had told people in the past and, you know, I was excited for them to know and excited for us to talk about it, but didn't want it to be like the center of everything because I, it was still just so early on. So I have two sisters, one older, one younger, and my older sister has two girls. So and the three of them just love each other so much. They have so much fun. So we get there and my sister sits us down and she tells us she's pregnant. So she, she knows where I'm at. Um, and, she, you know, I think she wanted to make sure I knew what was going on with her too. Um, she's been very lucky with no, you know, no um, pregnancy issues. This is her third and she, this wasn't planned. 
Mine obviously was very planned. So when I look back, I am very grateful and happy that she told us because it made the holidays, like we definitely celebrated way more than I think if it was just my news, which I'm glad we had that. And, and I'm so happy for her. I'm so happy for her and her growing family. You know, I don't wish this, I don't wish these kind of things on anyone, anyone that I know. So, you know, is we are our due dates um, were three days apart. Like, you know, we were just like, we were starting to talk about it and it was a lot of fun to have those conversations and it was a lot of fun to play out what the future could look like. So after the holidays, we, we go home and I have my next ultrasound and it was more good news. You know, she saw the baby, we saw the heartbeat. Um, you know, you just see that flicker. And it's, you're just so excited that like this is, this is happening, like this is it. And I, you know, I, I was starting to let my guard down and starting to be like, everything's lining up. You know, I was more cautious going into this pregnancy. Um, my sister's pregnant around the same time. Um, you know, my numbers are rising. We see a sack, we see a heartbeat. Like everything just felt like it was lining up to the right, um, to the right place. So she want, my doctor wants me to come back in a few more weeks. Um, at this point, I'm like seven or eight weeks long. So she wants me to come back in where I, I, where I would have been 10 weeks. And I kind of, in my mind, was like, that's the appointment. Like, if I can get to that, you know, I can let myself really get excited and start telling my, my good friends and, you know, start letting go of the bad experiences we've had and just be excited for our growing family. So I go to that appointment so nervous and I even tell my doctor that, I mean, I told my, the nurse that and my doctor about how I like, like this is it, I just, I'm hoping this can help me like relax a little. So she starts the ultrasound and again, I'm alone. Um, she's like, do you wanna FaceTime your husband? But I was like, you know what, let's just wait. We'll FaceTime him in a few minutes. And within, gosh, within five seconds, I knew something was wrong. It wasn't how my doctor was looking or acting. She had the screen pointed towards me so I could see. And it was like, um, you know, it was like, it was like you're looking at a picture. I had no movement, nothing, nothing was moving. And you could, clear, you could clear as day, see the baby, head, arms, legs, but you know, it just still and no flicker. So my doctors, you know, she's looking around and again, we've got, we've got a great relationship. So she's just kind of like, oh gosh, Michelle, I don't know. I'm not seeing anything. Um, you know, let me keep looking around. And then she measures, she measures the, the baby and, you know, it'll pop up on the screen. You can see it pops up with the measurement of how, you know, what they're measuring and how far along they are. It says eight weeks in one day. So that was just my, like, I knew it, like the baby had stopped growing because I, I was 10 weeks. I mean, clear, like I, with my numbers and everything, I mean, I was 10 weeks at that point. So, you know, she's, she basically like, Michelle, I don't see a heartbeat. She gets another doctor in just to have another doctor look around. And I'm just lying there like, you guys, if you don't need to keep looking, like I, I know what's going on. 
So she she leaves the room. She's like, you know, take as much time as you need. Call it your husband. So I call I call my husband, and I'm just sobbing, sobbing the most I've ever in my life. And he, you know, like he doesn't know what's going on. He's with my he's with Benjamin, our son, and so I hear his voice in the background, which that like I think that gave me the courage to get words out of my mouth. So I say, you know, there was no heartbeat. And he, he can't understand me because I'm sobbing so much. And that was just frustrating because I'm just like, read my mind, which I know was, I was asking a lot. And he, you know, I finally got it out to where he understood. And he was just like, you know, let me come get you. And I was just like, no, like, let me just process this. Um, you know, I'll, I, I can drive myself home which I don't even know how I got like that kind of strength to, to be able to do that, to leave the doctor's office and, and get home. My doctor, she started going through my options. She knew I was not like processing anything. So she was kind of like, you know, go home, call me in a few days and we'll talk through what, what to do now. So I, I get home and I like walk through the front door and I just like collapsed. And I hated like showing this kind of um, sadness to my son because he comes over and gives me like a big hug. He's just like, mommy's, mommy, mommy's sad, mommy's sad. And it was just one of the hardest days, but also one of the days I, you know, I just like stood still. I just like went on the couch all day you know, just sobbing and just so sad that this was happening again. And this time just felt so much more of a, a loss, even though all of them were losses. And I'm, I'm learning to process each of them differently and that each of them were different experiences, but that each of them also deserve, you know, me to think about them and grieve them and love them. So at this time, I'm just like, I give my phone to my husband. I'm like, I, I'm just tapped out. I'm done. I, I texted my boss. I was like, I gotta take a few days off. And, you know, I'm just, I'm lying there. And I'm just like, gosh, I just like want to hug my mom. We don't live um, in the same, in the same uh, states. And she had already been texting me, like, how'd the appointment go? So my husband kind of, you know, he does the, the not-so-fun job of telling people and just kind of getting it out to at least people that knew, you know, just our, our immediate family. And little did I know, like my I think my mom just knew how, even though I didn't show it, I think she just knew how hard this, this, this loss would be. So while I'm home, just sobbing and on my couch, she's jumping on a plane and coming to see me. Which I, I like, I'm so grateful she did. I'm like, when I, when she got to our house, I think it was just what I, it was definitely what I needed. We needed that extra support in our home, you know, between me and my husband and us going through this and 
having someone to help with Benjamin. I mean, it was definitely what it was what we needed. So I'm so like, grateful that she just took the like, she just took the initiative and just did that. And she stayed for a few days. And you know, it was obviously it was definitely what we needed. So we finally get the courage a few days later to call the doctor and start talking through our options. And she kind of gives me her opinion. You know, she's like, I think, you know, you've been through so much that like the DNC is probably the best option. She's like, we can do it next week. We can just like, you know, get this, get this moving. And so you can just really grieve this and process this. Um, so we did that, you know, we definitely talked through the options of letting it go naturally or taking the pill, but I just think I couldn't going through those weeks of just waiting or the pain. Maybe if I didn't have my ectopic and that was drawn out so, so long, I would have tried it, but I just, I couldn't go through another, like however many weeks it could take. So we had the DNC. And to be honest, I mean, it was a fine experience. Um, it was as good, as, I guess, as you can in that, in that circumstance. Um, it was my doctor that did it. So I was you know, grateful that she knows my history and she was there for me when I got emotional. And, you know, it, 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 I was sad because my husband couldn't be there because of COVID. But, you know, it, it ended up being just fine. You know, he dropped me off, picked me up. Um, I took, you know, I took days off work. And at first I thought like, like, how do you even move on from this? Time, time helps. Um, so I had my DNC February, February 3rd. So about, about a month ago, a little over a month. And I mean, time, time has helped. Um, I think this, this loss made me realize that I needed to process all my losses because I, I didn't really. And I still, there's still close people, close friends of mine that don't, still don't know the whole story. And I want to start sharing and I want to start telling. Um, I actually just, I, I started therapy, which I'm very, very early on. Um, but I'm, I'm, I almost felt like this third loss was like that, that moment where I realized like I need, I need help to process this and help to think through this because it's hard for me to it's hard for me to not think about my, my son and the age gap and you know, how we want them to be close in age, but now we're getting up to, you know, what, is it going to be four years? Is it going to be five years? And you know what? That's okay. Like my, even my doctor talked about it. She's like, you know, every family's different. And, you know, she's still, my doctor's very still confident that we will have a ha- healthy pregnancy um, she's like, you know, you've, you've had, you've had one, you are young. I'll be 32 in a few weeks. And she's like, you know, you don't have, you're healthy. You don't have any, thankfully, you know, you don't have anything to worry about. Um, obviously in the back of my mind, I'm still, you know, what if there's, there is something wrong. Um, we did do genetic testing in the DNC, which I'm, I'm so glad we did that because we did find out it was a boy and that it was chromosomal abnormalities, which in a way was closure. And also, also gave me like, you know, there's nothing we did. There was nothing we could have done. Like, even if I carried the baby longer, this very well could have still been the, the result. So 
you know, it's just, I just, I'm hopeful and I'm still excited. Um, you know, I, I actually did just get, get my period back. So about like five weeks after the DNC. And I do think we'll start trying again. I think I need to work through my feelings and my, my emotions and how to process this the right way. Um, because, you know, I also have my sister to think about. Um, she's still having a, a healthy pregnancy, which I'm so happy for her. I, I am. And I did tell her I needed a little bit of space just, just to figure out how to have that kind of emotion, how to be so happy for someone you love, but then just be completely devastated and heartbroken for yourself. And that's what like my goal was, you know, the next few months to be able to process that and work through these losses. And, you know, this, um, this experience right now, saying it all out loud is kind of part of that. You know, I, um, I leaned on, on listening to other women's stories over the last few months to get through this. And, you know, I always knew miscarriage was common. Um, and there is, there is something in feeling like you're not alone, even though you're not talking to a lot of people. But I do wish I talked to more people. And, you know, there's no time like the present. So that's what I'm going to start working on. And just figuring out how to, you know, how to move on from here. Because it's just been a long journey. It's been one I didn't think I would have to experience. Um, you know, I feel so, I feel for every woman that's gone through this. I mean, it's just one loss, two loss, three losses, or even, unfortunately, even more. I mean, it is just something that we all have to support each other on and know you're not alone and normalize the conversation. But I'm still hopeful and I'm still want our second baby. I, I know it will happen, how it will happen, when it will happen. I don't know, but I, I want to start being okay with that, with that, that I don't know. And that we'll figure it out. We'll get there somehow. Yeah. Well, your story is so, um, even though, you know, you're not on the other side yet, it's so inspiring. You mentioned multiple times that you don't know how you found the courage to leave the doctor's office or to call your doctor or any of those things, but your entire journey is like courage to keep going is courage. It is bravery. And it's not, you know, it's not just speaking out and telling people. So you've been brave this entire time, but you've been through a lot. Yeah. And you know, it's been, I've had my husband to lean on and you know, this has only made us stronger. And we've been together 13 years and this has definitely, definitely been the hardest, the hardest year um, for us to go through this together. But I'm so glad we have each other and we're going through it. And, you know, it's only going to make us stronger, me stronger. And I just, I just know that when it does happen, I'm like, there's just going to be so much love in our family. Do you have, um, because secondary infertility is not talked about enough and it's, it's hard unless you're going through it for people to understand like 
how you can have one healthy child and then all of a sudden, you know, have a struggle to stay pregnant. Do you have any tips for sharing the grief with your child and getting through the grief with your living child, with anybody who's maybe going through this in silence? Yeah, no, I, um, I, I mean, one, well, I think COVID has definitely, you know, he, like our son's home, I work from home. Um, so we're together a lot. So it's, it's been hard to hide anything from him. Um, especially I'm just, well, I don't share a lot to the outside. Um, I'm very emotional, like with my, with my husband and my son, Benjamin. So I've tried to talk to him. Um, he just turned three. So he's still, you know, he's still very young and he definitely knows what's going on. And the fact that he knows I'm sad and he knows that, you know, I'm crying and what that means. So I, when we, uh, every time we got pregnant, I did kind of make a comment to him like, hey, Benjamin, mommy has a baby in her belly and you're going to be a big brother. And I would point there and, you know, have that conversation with him. Um, so my, I mean, my recommend, my, I personally am, am glad I showed my emotion to him and glad, um, you know, he knew what was going on. While I still like, you know, there's certain, there's certain level, like I felt bad that he saw me collapsing and sobbing on the floor. Um, but I think it just like, he was there, he was there for me. He stepped in, like he knew to hug me and that just shows him emotion and it teaches him to be there for people that you love. And, you know, that whole day, that first day when I got home from my third loss, you know, we just watched TV all day and we cuddled and it was just something that. I needed, and I think he probably needed too. I mean, you know, I work full time and I'm so grateful for COVID, to be honest. It's been giving our family so much more time together than we ever would have had at this, at this stage in his life. So I would say just show your emotion, talk to them. I mean, depending on their age, you know, they obviously can, can process it or cannot, cannot. Um, but I do, I do plan on as he does get older like to remind him, you know, that he has three angel siblings. And I don't know, I, I haven't thought very far ahead about that, but I do still want it to be like part of the conversation and part of his sibling journey, you know, when he does have a sibling here on earth, like, you know, yes, this is your younger sibling, but you also have three others that aren't here. So I think that's important. And I do plan to have those conversations. Well, and I'm the oldest um, in my family. And my mom had a miscarriage between my brother and I. And I grew up knowing about my sibling in heaven. And even though I knew I had a sibling in heaven, I still was so shocked when miscarriage happened to me, which is, it sounds funny to say out loud because I was aware of it. But I always told people about my sibling in heaven. I didn't know if it was a girl or boy. Um, but my mom also explained to me that if we didn't have that guardian angel, I wouldn't have my brother. And when I was younger, I couldn't appreciate that because I obviously, you know, maybe wasn't the most fond of my brother. But now as I'm older, um, I see that it's kind of like a gift from the sibling that we lost. And somebody once told me that whenever we have angel babies that are older, um, so like whenever you have your rainbow it's like you've gotten to create your children's guardian angels. And that's something really special. So like you, you know, you met them in some capacity and you created them and you 
you molded them into the guardian angels that they are for your children. I think that's really, that's something too. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, this is the moment I carry with me, I think for the rest of my life. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to think that far out that, you know, 20, 30 years from now, I'll always think back to these, um, these babies and it's, I think it's just a mother's love that we can just share and talk about. And I love that. Like guardian angel for your, for your living children. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, I had, luckily I had it on mute because I think I cried with you a few times over here, like tearing up, just watching you tell your story. Um, because you know, you, you mentioning how your son seeing you collapse and wondering like, why is mommy so sad? You're teaching him big emotions are okay to be felt. And that is a really, really valuable thing in life. Like there's nothing negative about showing him that, you know, mommy's an adult, but scary things still happen and, and you're sad and that's okay, but you're picking yourself up and you're going on throughout it. So you're teaching him really great life lessons. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's been a journey to say the least. And this platform and this, this experience honestly is helping me, helping me more than I think I think I needed, but just getting it all off my chest. And I wish I didn't hold it in so long. I wish it didn't take three losses for me to, you know, when I hear other um, stories and women talk through their first loss, I'm like, gosh, they have so much courage to talk about it so soon. And I, I think I, now I kind of know why, like, because it just helps in the process. It helps your grief. Yeah, it definitely does. And, and people hearing your story is going to help their grief the same way that telling your story, you know, helped yours. So thank you so much for your openness. And I hope that in the coming months, you'll have an update episode for us and, you know, be able to give advice for further getting through this um, to getting your rainbow. We're all rooting for you. Thanks. Yeah, we're definitely excited. Um, I'm starting to get over that hump. I'm starting to actually get excited again about trying, even though before I thought, oh my God, how can I ever go through this again? But I'm, I just started to get that excitement again and still, still a lot of hope. Yeah. Good. Keep the hope. Keep the hope. That's what keeps us going.